The 360 on Energy and Carbon podcast, hosted by 360 Energy. On today's episode, we are joined by James Williams, one of 360 Energy's senior analysts with 10 years experience in the industry. He's an expert in electricity and natural gas commodity markets across North America and ensures clients secure the best possible pricing and contract conditions from suppliers and utilities. He provides regulatory advice to clients regarding Ontario's former cap-and-trade system and current emissions performance standards program, while considering the Canadian federal carbon tax and output-based pricing system. Now on to the episode with James. Welcome back, Dave. Well, thank you, Lysandra. Our good colleague is on a well-deserved vacation, so it's yourself and, and myself, and I'm really looking forward to this podcast with our guest today too. Me too. Hopefully John lets us join him next vacation. Yeah, let's make sure that happens. On today's episode, we are joined by James Williams, one of 360 Energy's senior analysts with over 10 years experience in the industry. Welcome, James. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. James, this is really timely. And for our audience, James and his team are constantly looking at markets, natural gas, electricity, and carbon markets. So I think you're going to be intrigued with some of the some of the information that James will be sharing with you based on what's happened in the last year. So I'll start off with a question right away, James, because we you you did the podcast with us last year, and clearly there was a lot of interest because you know the the amount of people that looked at it was significant. Can you share with our audience since the last time we spoke? Update them on on what really has occurred in the gas market. We'll start with that in the previous year because it has been a roller coaster. And so if you could share with them what's transpired in the 12 months, I think that would be really quite informative. Yeah, so so in the last 12 months, we saw gas pricing a spike to a high of 970 uh, or $9.70 US per MMBTU uh, in the US markets in mid-August, over over $10 in some of the Canadian uh, Canadian spot markets, such as Don in Ontario, and then come crashing down to the point where, where current spot prices or current prompt prices in the US are around 250 US per MMBTU and Canadian prices, you know, at dawn, we're looking at around 350 currently. So we saw, as you say, a kind of roller coaster ride where prices really ramped up through the middle of the year and they've come crashing down through the back half. And it, the reason for that's kind of twofold and they're, they're kind of connected. The first is weather uh, and the second is storage and storage is often a, a function of weather but also economic activity as well. So what we saw through the beginning of the year, if you're looking at, at weather for January through April, kind of the, the, the winter heating period, if you look at the data, uh, the US, the continental US had colder temperatures last year from January through April than they in the prior two years. And that really drove a lot of natural gas demand for, uh, for heating purposes in, across the U.S. And that kind of started the, the, the U.S. on a, a storage deficit position. So when we're talking about natural gas storage, it's often a function of, of production and demand. When there's higher production than there is demand, that excess production gets put into storage. When you've got lower production than you've got demand, the deficit there is pulled out of storage. And so storage levels are really kind of the barometer of supply and demand through the U.S. And what we saw through the, the first half of or first four months of 2022 was colder than normal temperatures 
which resulted in more gas flowing out of storage than normal. So a, a higher demand supply imbalance to the demand side, largely due to weather, also due in part to, to increased exports to meet some of Europe's requirements associated with the, the shutdowns in Russian gas and the war in Ukraine, but largely associated with colder weather. And that continued up until April, and that left inventories lower than normal which started to cause some concerns, started to push prices higher, particularly as, as European gas prices really started to increase substantially and exports were looking even more attractive than, than using gas in, or putting gas into storage. We're starting June with a storage deficit of 338 BCF billion cubic feet, which is a, at that point about 20% lower than where we'd normally be. That's about 10% of your peak storage capacity, which typically occurs in, in November or October. And we're, you know, closer to 20% deficit for where we normally were at June. And then prices rose to, to 9.30 in June and then dropped sharply after the Freeport LNG facility went offline because of a fire, limited the facility's ability to export gas. So all of the gas that would be going over to Europe stayed in the US and ended up going into storage. Despite the fact that the Freeport LNG facility went down, we saw kind of temperatures immediately switch from, from being colder than normal January through April to being warmer than normal starting in May and continuing through September. If you look at that May to September period, it was substantially warmer than normal and substantially warmer than the previous two years, particularly. So despite the fact that we had more gas than we expected because of this LNG facility outage, we were still using a lot of gas to meet cooling demand. So what we see in the summer months is as HVAC load, air conditioner load increases, the load on the electricity grid increases and more natural gas generation is required to to meet that load and that pulls up natural gas demand. So we switched from being colder than normal in the months where you don't want to be cold to being hotter than normal in the months where you don't want to be hot pretty much immediately. And that resulted in the storage deficit actually increasing to 365 BCF by the middle of August and remaining above 350 BCF by the middle of September. And that large deficit in storage really provided a lot of support for high prices. So we saw pricing, as mentioned, peak at 970 in mid-August, but remain over $9 as late as September 14th, largely because of that deficit in natural gas storage compared to where we'd normally be. That deficit raised concerns about the winter when you're going into the winter months with such a large so, such a large storage deficit there are concerns that if you get a colder than normal winter you'll be using more gas and your storage levels could get dangerously you might not have sufficient gas to meet to meet requirements in storage if you get a particularly cold winter if you're coming into the winter with normal storage levels you've got more of that cushion but all of the cushion you'd normally expect was was effectively gone had it coming through middle of September. But starting the middle of September, we started to see very large injections into natural gas storage. So gas was storage levels were filling at a very rapid pace as production started to ramp up. And actually by the middle of November, the year over five year average storage deficit was completely eliminated and mild weather to start December and cold weather in December corresponding with the Christmas holidays actually 
resulted in net storage levels in a surplus position relative to the five-year average by the end of December. What we've seen since then for January and February, we've seen substantially warmer than normal weather across most of Canada and the U.S. We're seeing forecasts for the rest of February looking very similar with, you know, daily lows in many places corresponding to typical seasonal highs. So we're seeing temperatures shifted up substantially from where they'd normally be. And that's allowing a lot more gas to go into to storage than we'd normally see, or more gas to stay in storage than we'd normally see. That's growing the year over year and year over five year storage surplus. And that has pulled prices down. So as mentioned, we saw pricing peak in middle of August, stay high through the middle of September. But since the middle of September, we've seen pricing consistently decline to the point where gas pricing at the end of December was down to just 450, a drop of about 50% from middle of September to, to end of December. And then since then, we've seen the drop of about nearly 50% again from December to, to where we are currently, pricing dropping from about 450 to currently around 250 US per mm BTU, which is back to what we would consider normal, typical ranges. And a large part of that has been related to weather and milder weather starting kind of the, the middle of October, starting in October, allowing a large amount of gas to, to flow into storage and then to, to stay in storage by reducing demand for heating. Okay, James, that, that was excellent. Good summary. Here's the next question for you. From, from your perspective, how is the energy markets and clients in North America, how are they evolving regarding energy in the last year? How are things changing based on what's happened and maybe what you've even addressed with, you know, export of natural gas going to Europe and things of that nature? Yeah, I'll say for, for many clients, and we're seeing this across the board, the, the risk calculus has, has changed with natural gas. Years of, of cheap natural gas have, have given clients previously a kind of a, a limited appetite for managing risk because there really wasn't a substantial amount of risk. It didn't matter too much to your business if you were paying $2 per gigajoule of gas or $3 per gigajoule of gas. If you were, you know, you could take that risk and the variation in the, the cost wasn't really going to affect your bottom line or your operations all that much. What we've seen now with the, the gas pricing skyrocketing, so companies have found out what price they can't afford to operate at or at what point gas pricing starts to, to impact their businesses and their profitability substantially. And they're concerned now because they know the market can get that high, not necessarily that the market will be that high, but that it can get that high. So one of the things we've always talked about with customers, we've talked about risk management is what's the low end, what's the high end, you know, we can look at a gas price and say, okay, you can lock in a contract at $3. What could it go down to? Well, it could go down to $2, but then you always have to balance that with, well, what could it go up to? And, you know, if you're talking $3, $3.50, it's kind of a wash if you're coming in in the middle. If you're saying it could go down to $2, but it could increase to $9, you know, would you rather risk $6 to save a dollar or risk a dollar to save six? We're seeing customers really looking at, at figuring out what their price is to be to be profitable what kind of cost certainty they need to be able to to operate profitably and starting to set targets for pricing at or below that point so that they can guarantee this doesn't happen again 
they'd rather lose a bit of money on the market and be able to operate than miss out on on locking in and not be able to operate. It's frequently less profitable to to have to shut down because gas pricing is too high than to to pay a bit of premium for your gas. So we're seeing that on the customer perspective. From a supplier perspective, we're seeing suppliers across the the industry tightening their credit requirements because they have substantially more exposure now if gas pricing does go higher. And as as gas pricing goes higher, as mentioned, you know, the risk of customers not being able to pay because they aren't profitable increases as well. So it's kind of a double double whammy for the suppliers where they have more exposure because you know they've they've provided gas to somebody at $9 a gigajoule instead of at you know what they normally do $3 and at $9 the customers less likely to pay because they can't afford it. So we've seen suppliers really tightening their credit requirements for customers um and it really pays then to have, you know, to have a, a good credit history, to be willing to work with suppliers, to demonstrate the ability and willingness to to pay and to build up that credit history with with good suppliers to be able to to get good pricing. Because if if pricing if they they aren't convinced on the credit side of things, they'll generally put, you know, they'll generally price that risk into the pricing they're putting in front of customers as well. So that's what we're seeing from the customer side of things and from the supplier side of things. From the customer side as well, we're seeing an increased transition away from from natural gas and even in some areas away from the grid, the electricity grid altogether. As mentioned, in many jurisdictions, the electricity grid is tied very closely to, to natural gas because natural gas provides much of the generation. So as gas prices increased, we saw electricity prices increase substantially as well. And that's that's triggered one, a move away from, from natural gas where possible or or an increase in uptake in, in efficiency measures. Efficiency measures that might not pay off at $2 a gigajoule can pay off at $9 and, and can make it make that difference. So we're seeing demand declining there. As we see prices increase, there's there's these more permanent moves away in demand where where the alternatives suddenly look better and more profitable. And it can take, you know. It can be as simple as changing the payback from three years, which might be out of out of the the capital budget, to a one year payback on a project, particularly when prices are this high for that long, can definitely can definitely be easier to justify. And then you're seeing capital investment in in sources that aren't connected to gas or the grid, um, solar generation, on site generation, other forms of of producing your own power or energy that aren't tied to the market where the capital expenditure is higher, but you have that greater cost certainty and the limited risk of volatility that we're seeing creeping into the markets. So what I'm hearing is that customers are going to have to be a lot more aware and engaged on energy issues more now than ever because pricing was so low before. And I also would suggest from the experience that we've had is because it was a pretty non-volatile low thing. There wasn't a lot of knowledge or understanding within the clientele, large clientele on the issue because they didn't have to. And now with this large volatility and possibly continued increasing in pricing as we go forward, there has to be a, a new and engaged and informed workforce within 
organization. So there's quite a learning there. One thing, James, I want to talk about just for our listeners, like you've talked about commodities and we know when we talk about natural gas, the term is burner tip. So it's the commodity plus transmission and distribution. Can you share with our audience, based on what you've just said, how customers are becoming more focused, become more efficient or looking at alternatives? What do you see? How is this impacting the we call them uh, distribution companies, which actually have pipe in the ground that actually deliver the gas to the sites. How how are they reacting because of these changes to how customers are working? Like, is there rate changes going on? Because if they're reducing the consumption, like these utilities still get a rate of return based on assets. So what's your thought on how they're reacting or how they might be reacting going forward? Yeah, we are seeing so the distribution companies starting to look at the impact of efficiency improvements of moves away from from natural gas to to cleaner lower carbon alternatives as impacts on their their existing assets. They're of course looking at at both you know participating in that largely through federal mandates. So utilities are required to help workers achieve certain amounts of consumption reductions from an efficiency or from climate climate goals but they're also looking at how that'll impact the cost of their assets their willingness to approve new assets is in some cases being you know pulled back a bit just because they don't want to put new assets in that will will potentially get stranded especially as regulations continue to tighten on the carbon side we are seeing rates increasing somewhat but it hasn't actually on the distribution side of things hasn't been particularly substantial yet but we could see that that continue um we're also seeing utilities looking at different ways of using that infrastructure so ways of achieving the emissions reductions while while maintaining or still utilizing that infrastructure such as putting hydrogen into the natural gas blending hydrogen in the gas to to maintain the infrastructure but still provide it reductions we're seeing you know enbridge here in ontario doing pilot projects there um, looking at renewable natural gas so enbridge has a number of programs around renewable natural gas getting Put into the pipeline mixed with the natural gas supply to again lower the effective carbon emissions associated with that gas while still maintaining their their operations and still using their infrastructure to provide heat in a lower emissions format so that we are seeing things gas consumption decline and i mean right now it's still primarily weather delayed, weather related but as we see temperatures generally warming up we're seeing warmer winters we are seeing a trend to lower gas consumption and we saw this on the power side that as as power in or power consumption declined it made the cost of power more expensive for everybody else because that that infrastructure is being shared out over fewer users or fewer fewer kilowatts fewer kilowatt hours and the the cost per user is is increasing and that to some extent becomes a bit of a self-reinforcing cycle whereas costs increase it drives more customers away from using the infrastructure to their own options, which then increases the cost for everybody else. And so we have seen on the distribution side of things on the power side, particularly costs increasing as we see more efficiency coming in, but as we also see users changing. But on the power side, we could see that changing as as we see an increase in electrification, greater use of that that infrastructure for, for heating, for electric heating, or for, for particularly electric vehicle charging, particularly if that infrastructure can be used during what is currently off-peak times. If we can kind of flatten the load, increase the, you know, 
all hours capacity factor of that infrastructure by, you know, reducing the capacity at the peaks and increasing the use of during the off-peak periods. It can really bring down the cost of capital infrastructure distribution on the, the power side of things. Well, you touched on it, how the utilities are, you know, there's requirements to assist in the reduction of emissions. And we know that 80% of carbon emissions comes from 80% of energy usage. So what impact is the carbon markets and regulations having on clients regarding energy? What do you see from your experience happening there? So I think right now, particularly in Ontario, there's a lot of uncertainty around around carbon markets and carbon regulations. I'll say for customers in Ontario, they're they're moving into their third carbon program in the past five years. So up until 2018, they were they were co- un- covered under the uh, the cap and trade program. They'd just kind of really gotten into the swing of things there when that was canceled and replaced then at the federal level by the output-based pricing system. And then the provincial government, I guess, realizing that the, the carbon pricing, carbon programs were here to stay, developed their own program, the emissions performance, which came into effect for 2022. And so customers are really just kind of getting into their first first year of reporting and compliance under that that program. So it, it has caused a lot of uncertainty at this point because you're constantly dealing with, with changing regulations for the large emitters. Um, and and hopefully the, the, the emissions performance standard is here to stay based on what we're being told. So having some degree of certainty in terms of regulations, cost impact, can allow customers to better tackle their obligations and better better optimize their responses to these programs from a cost side of things. So being able to to then, you know, reduce costs, invest in in projects that generate credits is more likely to happen once you've got a degree of stability. What we saw previously, there was a bit of hesitancy to invest in projects that would generate these credits if you don't know those credits are going to be useful in the next year. If you generate a credit under cap and trade and the program disappears, there goes the credit. Same for the output-based pricing system. So you want to be having that certainty allows customers to be more forward thinking, you know, plan for the long term and and take actions that have that kind of long term benefit rather than constantly focusing on the the short term. For for non-large users, we are seeing the carbon tax have a bigger impact on their net costs or operating decisions, particularly when stacked with higher gas costs. So for the average user in 2022, the carbon tax in on in Canada came out to about $2.50 a gigajoule. That's increasing this year to about $3, a little over $3 per gigajoule. So for 2022, what we saw was, you know, gas pricing generally around 7 to $9 for the commodity and transport combined. And then you're adding the carbon tax on top of that to take you to about 10 to $11 a gigajoule. And then distribution costs on top of that about another dollar to dollar fifty depending on operating. So we're seeing customers with an all-in cost of about the fourteen dollars per gigajoule in many cases. If based on on the market, um, for our customers, we also had hedges in place that mitigated that cost impact some substantially. But for the average kind of market participant, that's where we we were seeing the the cost go to, which again is is about double where the all-in cost has been previously, double in some cases, even triple. So as we see carbon tax increasing, it's making up a generally a bigger proportion of, 
of the cost of gas. We're seeing current schedules are for that carbon tax to increase to $8 per gigajoule just on its own by 2030. And again, it impacts the long-term decision-making and the long-term business decisions. If you're replacing a boiler, for example, if you know that project's going to be looking out over a 10-year horizon, you have to take that cost into account because you can't just use this year's pricing or or you can't just use your historical pricing. You have to be aware of what the, the pricing is going to be in the future. And that can change that decision from, you know, a gas boiler to potentially an electric boiler or other forms of like a heat pump. So I'll say for a risk management strategy at a high level, identify your necessary costs and the the understand the operational cost of, of gas and and power to your business um, so that you can you can have a, a better understanding of what prices you you need to be able to operate versus what prices are unprofitable. Use that to set targets in terms of at least hedging portions so that you can have a a go ahead if prices hit that target. Uh, We've seen, as you mentioned, with the volatility, prices bouncing around substantially. We had a number of times last year where we'd we'd get quoted a price, we'd get the, the approval from a customer and go back to the supplier and the price would have increased by 10 cents or 15 cents. So having those targets allows you to act quickly when you hit the targets. So knowing what your targets should be to be profitable, setting targets there, tracking the market, being aware of where gas costs are, and taking a longer-term look. So we're seeing prices come down, particularly in the short term. We are seeing them come down a little bit in the, the longer term, but they're not as not coming down as quickly further out. But looking out maybe two, three years for at least a portion, uh, just so that you can have a guaranteed price. It might be the current price and the, the likely cost for the next, you know, next three years might be $3. But if you can guarantee a portion of that out to the next three years, four years at three fifty, that certainty has value as well um, and allows you to layer on additional hedges as you get closer to the period and be more responsive. But it provides a base degree of certainty for your decision-making further out which can provide value for making an informed decision with technology updates and and operations and then being in a position to to transact so making sure you've got suppliers on board your credits approved you're taking actions to to maintain their, or improve your credit with suppliers if it's not great at this point so that you can get the best pricing you can at the current moment and and you can move when you need to. So I guess this, this can be summed up as develop a strategy and follow through. So be aware of be aware of the the impact of energy on your business and and be proactive in in managing it. Thanks for that, James. To end off this episode, what are the top 3 things that the client should take away from this discussion? Yeah, I'll say the the top 3 things is that the high-end risk is higher now for natural gas and it's important to be aware of that having seen prices run up this high once it makes it more likely that we could see that happen again it kind of sets a a new expectation in the mind of of the market of what what is achievable for gas pricing so be aware that the higher end risk is higher and and take that into account when you're making your decisions be proactive in managing that risk it's always better to overpay a little than to under budget a lot from what we say with the customers you know if your budget is four dollars we'd rather you know get you to your budget at 350 than 325 versus you know hold out for that extra 25 cents 
and risk having your budget come in at 450, right? If you can achieve your budget, there's value in that versus the, the risk of prices going up. And then I guess the last thing is tied into this. If we can see prices going up, we're seeing longer term trends for higher prices on the gas side, both on the commodity side and, and on the, the carbon tax side. Um, so look at alternatives. Don't just, don't just assume that you need natural gas and that's the way it is, but be aware of what alternatives are out there, what they'll cost and the value they can provide beyond just cost. You know, as, as mentioned with solar panels, customers with the solar panels are substantially less exposed to the market volatility. There's the greater capital outlay up front, but there's also the greater cost certainty that can come with it from an operational standpoint. So being able to look at alternatives, not just evaluate them from a cost perspective, but from an, an operational perspective as well, in terms of the, the values they can provide, they look substantially more attractive now in light of what we've, we've seen in 2022 than they might have in the past. And we're also seeing the, the capital costs consistently coming down for them as well. Thanks for those three takeaways, James. Dave, what's your biggest takeaway from this episode? What James has articulated is, you know, in the past, energy has been so low and in North America, quite frankly, reliable. And so people have taken that for granted and high pricing of energy you know, hasn't occurred since the early 2000s, but it, it's coming back. So I think the summary is organizations are going to have to reinvigorate the management and risk management of energy like they haven't done for a long time. So that means actually building in internal processes is what they probably haven't had to do for a long time, educate internally and make sure that they can execute quickly. Because as James described, these markets are like stock markets and you can't just go, okay, I want this price because it can change so quickly. So I think this is an area of, of, of opportunity or cost savings if the customers does that. And then the other thing as James indicated that not only is energy costs being a factor for clients, but then you also have carbon and carbon issues that are also increasing. So, so you do have to really engage and it's best to be engaged within the organization so you can't take action. I thought James clearly articulated that this is this is kind of what's happening and, and there's some real merit to actually take that on and go forward with that type of thought process. Thanks for that, Dave. Okay, James, Dave, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, James. Thank you, Lysandra. Have a great week. Okay, take you care. Too. Thank you. That's all for today's episode of the 360 on Energy and Carbon podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check us out on our website at 360energy.net and follow us on LinkedIn at 360 Energy Inc. Tune in to our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Anchor, or other listening platforms by searching the 360 on Energy and Carbon. You can watch the video recording and subscribe on YouTube at 360 Energy Inc. Email us your feedback at podcast at 360energy.net or comment on our LinkedIn posts. See you next week.